are tuned into Cultivating Indigenous Voices, sharing Indigenous history and community stories. Hosted and produced by Tina Andrew. Galeria Mitotera got its name um, because when Alfred Quiros had told us that he had this space for us, we were in Colorado visiting um, my family and we would go on an annual fishing trip in the mountains. And so on the way back, we were in the middle of nowhere driving back. We had the windows down and I'm like, Mel, we need to start thinking about our name for the Galeria. Like, should we call it Mel Dominguez Gallery? We're just talking and I'm just saying out the Mel's like, no, no, I don't want it to be named after me. It's not about me. And then Mel said, it's not about me. And I'm like, no, but it is kind of about you because you're the busybody. And Mel's like, okay, well, throw out some names, some words that would remind you of me. And I'm like, mitotera. And Mel's like, what? That's so rude. Why'd you call me a mitotera? And I'm like, Anywhere we go, you start talking to somebody and then you know their whole story and then they invite you to go somewhere. And then we're invited to somebody's house for pozole. And these things always happen. You kind of bring everybody together. And I'm like, so don't take it as an insult. Like, yeah, you are a busybody. And you, Mel doesn't usually gossip so much. But for any information, and Mel probably already knows it or knows who to call, But then like one of our friends, she's from Oaxaca, and we were talking about one of her trips back home and she said, oh yeah, and they had a big mitote. And I had never heard that word used that way. And I'm like, what's a mitote? And she's like, that's what we call fiestas and parties in Oaxaca. And I'm like, so Mel, that mitotera, it can encompass everything. So mitotera for me and Mel, it encompasses who we are. We're very connected. We like to know everything that's going on. We somehow just always know what's going on. And we like to be a fun and inviting and friendly place. And we're always down for a party. So there's a couple translations. <laughs> but mitotera can translate to, yeah, busybody or news reporters in Mexico are called mitoteros too. But that's good gossip. We're like, did you know this? Did you see this? Did you know that, that this artist is making this here? Neighborhood. And it feels good. And people, you know what? They giggle. And that's the main focus, to make them giggle, make them think, and help them remember our name, mm-hmm. you know? Because we're, we're on the on the scaffold. We're, How do we find you, Mo? Galeria mi totera. And you hear them, ha. Yeah, people have a good giggle about it. No, it's like metiche, like, oh, you're so involved in everybody's business. But it's in a good way, like Mel said. Life happens right in front of me. I can't help with that. You know, I'm waiting for a sack of gold to fall down in front of me one day or meet Sasquatch or something. (laughs) I'm uh, Melissa Brown Dominguez. I am one of the owners of Galeria Mitotera in the city of South Tucson. I am the arts administrator here and project manager. And I am originally from Los Angeles, California, where I was born and raised. My name is Mel Dominguez. I'm a local artist. I'm also co-owner of Galeria Mitotera. 
and I am a hustle Olympian and a community engagement specialist, and I'm from East L.A. Thank you both so much for being here on Cultivating Indigenous Voices. I'm so happy to be bringing the show back with two very special guests. Can you individually tell us a little bit about your homelands? What was life like as a kid? Your families, your emic, which in our language is family tree. We don't have to get too deep into it, but I really want to hear that part of you, which I feel like not enough people hear a lot about. And thank you for asking this question because I think. It's true. There are a lot of times when we don't, we have not shared that much detail about our past and our our family lineage with the community. So for myself, I was born in Los Angeles, uh, California, in Huntington Park, and um, my parents were very young parents. My mom, Alva, she was 17 when I was born, and my dad, Alfred, was about 19 when I was born. And my grandparents were very young. So my mother's from Hermosillo. She was born in Hermosillo. When she was five, she went to Los Angeles. My dad, he was born in Colorado. So as a child, since my parents were young, my grandparents really helped, um, also raised me. My nana and tata, my, my mother's side, um, my nana's from Hermosillo and my tata's from uh, Namikipa, Chihuahua. So I was really blessed with the privilege of being able to live and grow up in Los Angeles. But anytime before I started school, I went to Mexico a lot with my grandparents. And anytime I had breaks during school, my whole summers, I would go to Chihuahua. Um, my grandparents, my tata's family were in agriculture. They had um, apple orchards in Chihuahua, in the Sierra. So... I had like this duality where I got to live in, you know, in Los Angeles, in the neighborhoods and and really like have that experience of having like a really cool mix of, of friends in Los Angeles. When I was a teenager and when Mel and I were teenagers, we went on lots of adventures in Los Angeles and we would, you know, take the buses or we'd walk or I was into roller skating or rollerblading actually. I was into roller hockey back then, and so we'd put on our our rollerblades and we'd go skating for like six hours and see where it went and took us. And you could do that in Los Angeles because the weather's mild and we would just go have adventures, find a new spot to go play hockey and things. So that was part of it, but my fondest memories were going to Mexico. And my mom would put us on an overnight bus from El Monte and we'd go to El Paso overnight, my sister and I. And I asked my mom a few years ago, I'm like, Mom, weren't you afraid of like putting me as a six-year-old with my four-year-old sister on a bus overnight by ourselves? And she's like, in those days, we just didn't think about those things. Like she would ask a senora that she would just meet at the bus station and say, hey, can you just keep an eye on my daughters? And in the middle of the night, we'd stop in Lordsburg and we'd get off the bus and my sister and I had a couple bucks to buy Happy Meals. And we would go, these two little girls with long braids, eat our Happy Meals, get on the bus, go to sleep. And then when we got to El Paso in the morning, my nana was meeting us there. And we'd take a whole other bus. We'd cross the border to Juarez and take all the bus for the whole day, the whole next day to the Sierra. And so 
it was amazing because I got to live on this ranch with, um, be part of the, the cosecha, the harvest of the apples. And we also had um, big milpas of corn and beans and I had all kinds of animals and horses. I mean, it was just a beautiful, like amazing, it was an amazing time. And that's why my cultural, my roots to, you know, my Mexican culture is very important to me because I got to live there a lot. And um, I am bilingual because of that. And I learned so much from my elders during that time. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. My youth compares nothing. Like it's so, it is so different. I found I was part of the concrete jungle, as they say. I grew up like with my grandparents as well. And I don't know what it was, but I had, I was in tune with listening to them about story. And I was really fortunate as well to be um, really embraced by my grandparents. Like I really felt a lot of love from them. They treated me like a person, you know, and I was the, the only kid for a little bit. And so they talked to me a lot and I listened a lot because when they showed me, you know, when they open up the Bible and there's Noah, I'm like, that looks like my grandpa. Like, and I grew up just watching and, and living with them. But we were in East L.A., so there wasn't really like immediate park nearby, you know. Um, there was places to like go walking and like ride your bike and things. But I grew up in a weird space and time where gangsters were like shooting each other, you know, and we saw a lot of things that we maybe would, we shouldn't have because it disturbed all the peace in the mind, you know, like we we're little kids thinking about little kid stuff. And then this super serious, like, wait, you're talking about no more the end of a life. Like, so we had a lot of interference, like trauma stuff. But um, for me, my barrio, El Sereno, is a beautiful neighborhood to me because I know all the sidewalks. I know where the cracks are so you can go skip over them or, you know, ride your bike or something. But I have, a, I have just way too many fond memories of all of that. I'm like Melissa, like fortunate that my grandparents lived to their 93, you know, and um, it was intense because that, it was like a chapter, like just a, a definitive, like, dude, shut the door on that chapter. And um, when that actually did happen, everybody was in quarantine. So we actually, Melissa and I went to, to go to their funeral, but I walked to my Airbnb from my grandparents' house, and it was a completely different city. And I didn't know if it had anything to do with losing them or it was just quarantine, but it felt the same. But, I mean, the, it was a collection of time. There's different neighborhoods and barrios that bump into each other, and they all look different, just like they do here in, in uh, Tucson. And um, and some places you get chased. <laughs> sometimes you get able, you're able to paint and do all this cool stuff. And and sometimes it's just a safe walking path uh, to get to your high school or, or junior high. Because on the other streets you can get you know jumped in a gang. Like <laughs> you know what? I grew up with story, a lot of story. And with my grand my grandpa, all of his brothers and sisters they were taught how to play music, and that was all happening in El Paso. And when my great-grandfather was on furlough, he taught them all, like, how to play music. And they got on the train and they went to Olvera Street because it was where they would find authentic Mexicans, you know. And my, my grandpa would perform with his older brothers and my great-grandfather. And they, 
I mean, they were very entrepreneurial in that way to kind of like, you know, make some money during that time. Um, but it was interesting to know that my great grandfather, he had a picture taken of them with their instruments and had them printed. He, he created like a postcard. I'm like, I wish I could find one one day, you know, and just be like, yes. Uh, the other interesting part to that is that the hotel that they stayed in is now La Plaza de Cultura y Arte. And it houses, so if you go there, there's different floors and levels, and it shows what it looked like during that time. And it's really awesome. I just, it just makes me sad because he's not here, you know. How did you guys meet? Tell me that. So, um, interestingly enough, Mel and I... years ago. Mel in and the I... the 1900s. Yes. Mel and I met in the fall of 1995. And um, I moved around a lot as a kid, so I went to 14 different schools from kindergarten to high school. I went to four high schools. And on my third high school, Mel, um, Mel went to that school. So I was in the magnet program at that school, and they kind of isolated us from the rest of the, the school. We were in one building. And the only time I got to socialize with other people in the school that weren't you know, in the magnet program was during lunch times and, and nutrition and passing and that's it back then mel was into skateboarding and and hip-hop and i um played roller hockey and i was into punk rock at the time and so when i went to the school i was um this the only punk rock kids in the school one of the boys asked me to be his girlfriend so we were holding hands on the on the quad and mel knew this kid um from school because they they lived in the same neighborhood and Mel walked out into the quad and walked straight up to us and just said, what are you doing with this guy? And it made me laugh because I'm like, who is this person that I don't know? And just like confidently coming up and asking me. And then the next thing Mel says like, hey, you want to go get something to eat? And I'm like, sure. So we went into line during nutrition and I was super studious and nerdy. So I had like a big backpack. This was pre like laptops, right? So like, yeah, I had a big old backpack with all my, all my books and um, we go in line and then we get back to, to the crowd of folks we were hanging out with and Mel's like, Hey, can you turn around? And I'm like, yeah. And I turn around and Mel's, Mel's unzipping my backpack. I'm like, what are you doing in my backpack? And Mel's like, oh, no, I'm just grabbing something. Mel had taken some extra danishes and orange juices and put them in my backpack. <laughs> why would you do that? We're going to get in so much trouble. And Mel's like, they would never suspect you. And we were already free lunch kids. Like Mel and I, we did not come from much. So we already had free lunch tickets. So that's how we met. And every day after that, we hung out. And Mel would walk me to the bus at the end of school because um, I had to take a, a school bus for two hours to get to this school from my neighborhood. And so, yeah, we, we met each other back then. We pretty much have we've known each other since then. There was a small break when we were 18. Um, we, were, we felt we were too young to still be in a committed, like, we were, we're moved I moved to LA. Tucson. Yeah. I, moved to, I moved to Tucson in 90, 97. Yeah, and um, but we were babies. We were babies, and so we're like, let's live our lives. And so we we lived our own lives, our individual lives for seven years, and then we reconnected after that, and we've been together ever since. So that's our little story. Anything to add to that? Wow. Well, it's just really wild because 
there's so much that happens in life, you know, to, to know someone for the, you know, the 26 years. I mean, we, we have lost like friends and homeboys to being in prison and things like that. And a lot of those guys and girls, they had our dreams. They wanted to do these things, you know, and um, I've heard this story before because it's our story. But when you hear it out loud and sharing it with others, it just it you take a big gulp because um, there's just so much life that happens, and to know that we're still here and we're we're still punk rock, we're still hip hop, you know what I mean, and we still have our foundation down, you know what I mean, like that's where we come from all the time. So um, it's real cool for me to reminisce and rem- remember like how fresh our minds were as a youth and understanding what community foundation means and then to live it out as a mission you know and like this is not my hometown it is now but it feels good to you know lift up and do this process because someone did that for me you know they watered the seed you know and it feels good it feels good to bloom how about that when did you discover your artistic talents so this is melissa um my artistic talent is a different, it's not in the visual form. Like, I don't paint or draw. I can, but it only makes Mel laugh at me. But my artistic talent is mostly, like, in the creativity of, like, curating our space, connecting the elements to make projects happen. So that's my project management mind and bringing people together. So that's my creativity and artistic form. So for me... I remember far back into being three years old and being with my grandpa. And he was an early riser too. He's a, he was a master sawyer. So like to me, he still is like a man's man. Like he'd get up and, you know, he's like all tough and stuff. And, and I, I woke up looking at that like, yeah, you know. And he'd grab me, he'd like, come on, let's go. And, he, you know, he'd have his breakfast and everything. I'd see him get his lunch packed by my grandma. And she was up there in the morning. She looked like Woodstock from Snoopy. <laughs> But she was, you know, turning tortillas so he could take tortillas with him, you know. And I was like, wow. But he would take the time and he'd even change the news and put cartoons on for me. And it was at that moment I realized that he was laughing at the same thing I was laughing at. And I was like, oh, through art you could talk to anybody. And so for them, it just kind of like, it was like a jumping, like a diving board. And I always look for that because I was like, I don't know how to read yet or I don't understand what I'm reading. So I look to the visuals all the time. And in Los Angeles, that's inevitable because you have both the contemporary murals and then you'll have like some graffiti stuff. So, you know, there's a good mix, but it was identity for me, you know, and I'm maybe a bigger nerd than I seem, I guess, but I would nerd out on that stuff. Like who painted that? And like, I would be just in a daze and excited to to be in the back seat while they took him to work, you know, or something. I would, and I was one of those kids. And it, it's funny, but maybe it's the just the the amount of attention I got as a as a young child that I knew, or I think that they knew that I was a, like gonna do something. They didn't know what. They're like, I, Mel got their own plan, but I don't know what it is. But they're gonna do something. And I, since I was a little kid, like. I'd have yard sales. I'd be selling my grandpa's stuff. He'd go to work and I'm, I'm, I'm going to clean this. I would do two things. I'm going to clean it up, mom, so it looks pretty out here. And then I'm getting rid of the junk, grandma, and I'm making money. And, I, you know, and I would do it. And then my grandpa get home, where's my stuff? You know, I'm like, I sold it. Like, you know, 
So, but they knew it was going to be something. It seems like you guys have such a journey throughout your lives where you started all the places you've been to and where you're at now. So where you're at now, here we are, Strukshan. Let's hear about that. The gallery, the the shop, and I'm sure a lot of it is from who you are, your roots, and why you are how you are today as people, as individual, because of your upbringing. So can you share a little bit about that part of your journey? What inspired you all to open up a gallery? We're addicted to making things work. I don't think that we see barriers sometimes. I, and I feel like, um, like, so Melissa being a curator and then me being a visual artist that like together we take like a bird's eye view of any sort of situation and try to see the possibilities rather than the impossibilities. And even if it's just with a little, with a little nudge, you know, but it's cool because it's true. Like we are the eldest and we were like the support system to our, our family members and it was okay with us. Like we enjoy doing it. And it's because I feel like it's a, an active spirit part of being one family, literally in a community, you know, and how you treat that family, you know? So, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks, Mel. And that's why we, um, the Galleria is a direct reflection of what exactly Mel said. Like, it's, it's a reflection of who we are and who, what our upbringing was and um, how our family raised us and how we work together as much as we could as family and that we can we saw a need. So I moved back to Tucson 16 years ago and that's when I brought Mel. Mel was like, what am I going to do in Tucson? Because Mel worked in production art in the studios and fashion and stuff in LA. And Mel's like, what are we going to do in LA? I was scared. Mel was a little nervous, but... When we got here and Mel was trying to connect with the galleries and art spaces, there are some wonderful spaces here, but a lot of them cater to academia because of the university. The university has an amazing art school. But what we were seeing is that there wasn't a space to really um, connect with local artists or non-academic track artists, I mean, you know, like artists that were self-taught, artists that were in our community, in our neighborhoods. So over the years, we kept seeing that need for that space. And five years ago, we had the opportunity to to open the space here in South Tucson because the, the building owner, Alfred Quiros, he is a um, fine arts uh, professor emeritus. He, he retired five years ago and he was able to work on his building. And he told us he had this space and that would we be interested? And we're like, what? It's all coming together. So like Mel said, like we are usually not nervous about taking the plunge on anything or jumping into something. We, we figure we can make it happen even if we don't have resources because we both grew up that way. We grew up not having anything. In high school when we met, I had my mom told me I have $25 for your school clothes so let's go to the thrift store and I had to figure it out that's another reason why I liked being punk rock because I could cut up my clothes even more than they were and also that's our art form we can make something that other people might yeah they they see it as nothing and we can paint it clean it put art on it and make it a usable beautiful item and so 
we just figured let's try it. Let's see what happens. We know so many amazing artists in Tucson. We know artists back home that we still support. My father being from um, Colorado, we have some connections in Denver in the Latino neighborhood there of Westwood. And so we support them in the Galleria too. And so it just all came together beautifully. You know, I don't know much about the world of galleries and art, but I appreciate those individuals who do do that. Are there any misconceptions about galleries? Can you share a little bit what those could be? A big misconception is that um, people feel like they're not accessible to them because of their cultural background or the neighborhood they live in. They almost feel like they don't deserve to be there or they shouldn't be there. And we ran into that here in South Tucson because when we first opened, Mel was asked by community members like, hey, how much does it cost to go inside? And we're like, nothing. You are welcome to come here anytime. Our doors are open. Come in. That's a big misconception. I know there are like art institutions where you have to pay a fee to go in. My mom and Mel's mom would try to find places where we could go for free all the time um, because we couldn't ever pay to, to go into somewhere. So I think that's one of the misconceptions. Well, yes, that and, and that it takes a lot of money to do this. Because um, if, if you look around our gallery space, a huge chunk of it is secondhand, like things that I found, things in the trash, things that people were giving, like they were going to put it in brush and bulky. I'm like, I'll take that from you and I'll just paint it up. You know, like our, our front counter here is the stage from the Stardust, yeah. yeah, down the street. So, And I think that's exactly it. Like the people think that a gallery has to be this stark, white, polished place with like really high-end stuff. You can have a gallery in your living room. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a gallery It can, and it could be your style. I mean, some people were like, oh my gosh, you, you painted a raspberry pink wall. Yeah, I did, because that's my style. I love colors. That's my culture. It makes me happy. It doesn't have to be white walls. It doesn't have to be modern. So I think that's a real big misconception. People think a gallery or a museum, it has to be, like, pristine. You can't touch anything. You know what? It's that demonstration. Like, okay, you went to celebrity, but you never forgot where you came from. Like, you help people who are still trying to make it happen, and... It's, it's the way to be, you know? So that's why we do these things and have accessibility. And even like the mural that's happening right now in downtown with Ruben Moreno, myself, and the two Nogales artists, Tony Plock and Hyde, that is the demonstration of access to arts and culture for all. It's outdoors. Mm-hmm. You know, little babies can walk up to it. Mm-hmm. Homeless guys, homeless girls, whomever's out there, they can step to it and like be a part of the art, new art. They didn't have to pay for it. They even, some of them stood around to watch it, you know, be turned into itself, you know. And um, it feels good to be able to do that. Because I'm like, this is the life, you know, to be able to give to each other and share with each other. This is amazing that you guys are sharing your story that I feel like hasn't really been shared before. Just about the work that you all are doing and how far you have come. So now with this space that you have, you've opened it up to those who normally probably wouldn't even have the chance or opportunity to display their work or have an event here. I'm talking about brown voices, native communities, indigenous folks in this area. So why is that important for you all to include native people's stories, art, 
events, partnerships, all that. We do it because it's their community. It's their barrio. Yeah, and it's part of our cultural identity as well. A lot of us Chicanos, we have indigenous roots. You know, it might have been a long time ago, but we're there. Well, we wanted it to be a cultural um, reflection. We wanted the space to really reflect the community members. And, you know, Mel's been working in South Tucson and volunteering time with community members for the past 12 years consistently. So we know the community. We wanted it to be a space where everyone felt welcome and also saw themselves like in the work or saw themselves in the items that we carry and could connect with it and understand it. So. Yeah. Or to represent when they take off. They're like, you know what? I graduated, but I'm going to start my career in Washington, D.C. I want to sport some South Tucson, you know, some love. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, they wear that with pride wherever they go. And mm-hmm. it's an identity so that people can see like that. Stay rooted. Like, boom. Yeah. You know. Or like, you know, working with David Moreno from Pascualiaki, that he had that vision of having the Indian Born American Made show. And he came to us when we opened the Galleria and he's like, can we do this here? And I'm like, of course, like, of course, let us know how we can help you. How can we do it? And we've built so many beautiful relationships because of that and working together and yeah. And seeing our commonalities that we have within our cultures, like it's beautiful, like, and to hear the stories through art. Some of the artists are sharing about their piece that they painted or created and when they're telling their stories or telling about where they're from, because we've had indigenous artists from New Mexico and from Wyoming, and to hear what their piece is about or where they're from, it's like, oh, wow, that's almost very similar to a place that I've been or where I have family. And it's beautiful to hear that and to share it with each other. And I love it when we have events and we have all of our community members here together in the same space. It feels well, good. It's, it's we're living together now. We're not waiting to read it on the yeah. book or look on the internet. We are living in our time and we are honoring not just the community, but the community of artists so that we can interact and exchange and live right now. Not talk about when we're going to retire. It's like, no, let's live now. Let's talk now. Let's share your artistic skills now. And thankfully, we live in a community that's open and they understand what the sort of um, vibration and community that we want to continue to build on. And they allow us to paint on their walls. And they're waiting for us to do another one. And and it's really exciting to be part of Tucson in, during this time. As there's an evolution happening, you know, it feels beautiful, the renaissance. And so now is our time to write, a, write about that and, and document. So... With all the connections and partnerships and friendships that you've built being here as you both established yourself pretty well in five years, that's a short amount of time because you're doing so much. You give so much to the community and I appreciate that. Can you both share a favorite community event or a collaboration or just a story that is of your favorite or that comes to mind? I was invited to one of uh, a presentation from a young um upward bound student who used our our summer project as her capstone project and so she was giving the presentation in Pueblo High so they invited me and I went and so I was but I was like it's important to me I want to see what they said like oh my gosh I was in the waiting the little area before they set up the little auditorium for their presentations 
I was looking into the faces of these young people, just seeing their youth and then seeing and knowing that they're this. I'm like, I've done a million presentations. Like, this is silly, you know, in, in my own head. But I was like, they're little babies, you know? And I was like, you know what? This is the first of many. And it's like they woke up. They're like, they went inside. And when I heard the young ladies, like, Capstone Project, I was like, wow. I had no idea that they were listening to me. Because sometimes you take for granted, you'd be sharing things like, you know, maybe sometimes about trees. Like, why do I plant a tree? It's not just for shade. It's social equity because of the shade, we can gather together, you know? And um, they listen to all that stuff. And so Melissa sometimes needs me to leave because I talk too much. But with the youth, they have enough energy that they have these, you know, their mind is developing and things like that. So watching and listening to the Capstone Project just... It fills my my soul, you know. It's like soul food for me to be like, it's important because there's people listening and they're watching and they see me. Even if they don't acknowledge and like my page or give me hearts and praises, they are aware of what I'm doing. It just made me really proud because that was at Pueblo and then I was at the Honors College with our cohort of interns and it was a group that was focused on leadership and they decided, they chose our project to be a part of I was in the Honors College listening to their presentation and listening to them too made me very proud because they were listening. And they totally, they were like, there was such a different way you all went about leadership. It wasn't like you went and told people to do things. You actually did the things that people weren't doing. And I was so proud. I was like, those are my children. (laughs) This one's hard for me. I get inspired about all of our projects. So for me, like the Dia de los Niños, uh, we did our second annual. And to be able to bring together all of our partnerships in the community to create these amazing little pop-up festivals for the day and events, especially to focus on things for the youth, it fills my heart because to see all those little kids out there getting free books from the library, petting the puppies that are up for adoption and begging their parents to take one home, or like getting to sit down and watch Miss Liz, who's an elementary school teacher from Mission View, come with her amazing puppets and tell them a story about Dolores Huerta and Cesar Chavez and have it be in their neighborhood on their street and to just listen to mariachi music and then see kids that are their same age or smaller, four years old, dancing folklorico like all of those things to me is amazing because we're activating the space that is just used as parking for people who are going either visiting us or going over to Minidito and so to really just change the spaces to me that's amazing and just bringing everybody together and seeing the smiles on their face like it's priceless it's really it's amazing wow well this has been absolutely amazing. I'm so happy that you guys made the time to share your story. Before we end, are there any shout outs, comments that you would like to share with the listening audience? I want to give a big shout out just to all, all of the artists that we've recently worked with. Uh, I want to thank you for your partnership and to our partners over at the U of A, the Confluence Center and uh, the Honors College with Nadia Alvarez. The College of Education, Upward Bound, 
uh, my wife Lillian for keeping Gorman. it together. Oh, Lillian, oh boys, we could go on and on, but you know why? It's yellow, Dan X. I mean, we have so many amazing partnerships. Like we could stand here for half an hour. Like, right? But no, but I mean, and it's thank amazing. you to Ed for dressing like Santa Claus. Yeah, JVYC, like, oh my gosh, there's so many shout outs we can give. But everybody, I just, we just want everybody to know we're, we're all eternally grateful that everybody continues to work with us in different capacities. And when we come to people with these wild ideas, we're like, we want to do this. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And then we make it happen. It's amazing to pool our resources together and to make these amazing projects happen. That's great. We love you all so much. We continue to do these things where we can gather more togetherness, you know. It's just a pleasure for Melissa and I to just grow and be with family here. And it, I just want people to know, like, I know Mel and I are just two people and we have a lot of ideas all the time and lots of projects and different things. But we're always open to hearing if somebody has an idea of a of an event they want to have or if they have questions about how to do something or how did you connect with that group to ha- have them help you, like, ask us. I am completely uh, an open book about where we get our resources, how we did it, how much money it took, um, how much money we didn't have for it and we still made it look good. I mean, I'll share all of my secrets and anybody has questions, just send me a message. If it takes me a couple days, I'm sorry, but I will get back to you. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you both so much. I look forward to seeing all the great work that I know you all are going to be doing. And thank you for having me here with you in Galleria Mitoterra. This has been Cultivating Indigenous Voices, hosted and produced by Tina Andrew. To listen to more episodes, visit KXCI.org.